I mean, what's that football focus doing? Last week they had Brady. This week they got Brady. We're doing it. We're literally doing it differently from everybody else. As a matter of fact, moving forward from this point on, I will not make reference to PFL. Do you not understand that they are that way because you're Joe Flacco? And you just like to discredit things that people deserve credit for. That you can't possibly be expected to defend that. Talk about the game, Sam. So Who cares about what people think about us? Yeah, I like football, I like football season, all the things that go with it. Welcome into the PFF NFL Podcast. Steve Palazzolo back here with Sam Monson. We are live on a Monday morning talking all things NFL drafts. The Chiefs and Ravens made a trade. You ready to go, man? It's draft week. It is draft week. We're here almost, well, sort of. I wish, we, I wish we had one more week. I need one more week of draft talk and rumors. You need one more week of this. One more. Everybody else in the known world is like, thank God it is draft week. We're almost at the end of this crazy, silly season of rumor and innuendo and crap you are like oh i just need one more week of this one more week just think next week at this time we're going to be talking about all the great moves all of your teams made (laughs) how they're going to the super bowl 32 super bowl champions will be crowned this weekend thursday through sunday 32 through saturday all right so a couple things before we get started draft 30 is what you need right now pff.com that's 30 percent off all pff subscriptions edge and elite is where you're looking. I would get Elite if I were you because you get it for the year and you'll have it for the season. But Edge is there too. Draft Guide comes with both. 30% off. That's Draft 3-0. Get to pff.com right now. Um, we should have some emails going out already for people that will get a free Edge annual. Um, by the way, when you do get Edge annual, every now and again we throw some some discounts to uh, Elite up throughout the year. So it's not you know it's not a bad idea to just have be sitting on Edge and then you get those discounts coming through um edge annuals have been sent out to some of our dedicated listeners that sent us screenshots of your subscription to the pff nfl daily and here on the pff nfl podcast so keep those coming in um did you see the most obscure the other obscure place that just came in i have a big backlog of uh, becoming one of those guys you know with, that send the screenshot of the thousand unread emails yeah. i have a bunch that i haven't scanned through. We have i saw so a guy far. ludwig oh that i think that was the one i saw the guy from the glacier the top of the that's a glacier glacier a um, glacier, Sam. It's no. a glacier. Come on. From Austria, right? Yeah. Like up in the Alps somewhere. Yeah. Actually stopped on top of the glacier. Uh, he wanted to go to college or university. Yeah. At a place where he could ski all the time. I and he listens. He listens to us from the Alps. It is from the Alps? Yeah. Austrian yeah. Alps, right? I assume. Stubai Glacier. Wow. So, yeah. We, we're, as, we're as high as the as a glacier as low as <clears throat> new zealand and almost to antarctica um almost. so you know i appreci- got there yet though appreciate all the there's uh, got to be somebody working on a rig somewhere in antarctica not a rig what are they like a base station those about, things that are just parked on the ice this? shelf somewhere how about this if you haven't listened from antarctica go there <laughs> okay and that, if, if we get an antarctic listen yeah i don't care if they with, that'll if be that's worth it i don't care if they're like permanently based there if you have the capacity and the resources to get yourself to antarctica that'll do me that's worth that's all i need that's worth an elite subscription if you can listen from antarctica so um there's a lot to unpack here on today's show but first it was, it was all about draft 30 get that 30 percent off continue to send us the screenshots pod uh, nfl podcast at pff.com um let's get into 
We have an Orlando Brown trade. Yeah. Going from the Baltimore Ravens to the Kansas City Chiefs, as we predicted. We? Excuse me? As we predicted on the show last week. Uh, I believe I raised the question, could this, could such a thing happen? And you definitively said absolutely not. I didn't definitively say it. I just I, I, said, I thought it was unlikely. Are the Chiefs and the Ravens such big rivals that this would not happen? You said yes. That's okay. pretty definitive. We could find the audio if you would like it confirmed to you because I checked that. I don't think we can. Oh, okay. All right. So we'll break down the trade. We did it in uh, short form on the PFF NFL Daily today. We got our, our high-level thoughts out there. I think there's more to unpack when it comes to this trade. Uh, we'll talk about some... I had some thoughts about the football team and the Chicago Bears and how we're handling their offseason, how we're looking at their offseason and their quarterback moves. I think there's something to discuss there. There's heavy rumors about Julio Jones. Teams have been calling about Julio Jones because of the, the it's been reported by Rap Sheet and others that the Falcons' cap situation is poor. So teams are inquiring about a post-June 1st potential Julio Jones trade. And I wonder what that does for pick number four. Right, we keep locking it into Kyle Pitts. Does that just mean, okay, we'll just get Jamar Chase, get that next receiver? I mean, it would certainly, I think, open up that as a possibility if you suddenly <laughs> – well, they can't trade him until June the 1st because of the contract. Yeah, I know, but you're still anticipating the trade. It's still – Yeah, but what if the trade falls through post? Like, that Then you're be... stuck with Jamar Chase and Julio Jones. Oh, no. And Calvin Ridley. And, like, so what? that's a hell of a lot of redundancy in place. So what? what would George do? George, George would then follow up with three more receivers, right. rounds two through five. But you've passed up on a Kyle Pitts in order to, for that scenario to happen. No, I know. Um, and then we'll, we'll talk about the 49ers rumors, man. It, it reportedly down to Mac Jones and Trey Lance at number three overall. Not the guy that we think is locked in there, which is Justin Fields. So smoke or fire, we'll break it all down. By the way, let's just um, – one more housekeeping item before we talk football. This week, we're going to go live – on Wednesday. So our Thursday, our normal Thursday podcast is going to come out Wednesday. We'll yes. be live here on YouTube. The time keeps changing on me on my calendar, but <laughs> yes. we'll be sometime on Wednesday. This, your second podcast will come out. There's a lot happening in this studio and therefore our podcast is a movable feast right now. And the, the, the lot happening in the studio is the PFF draft show, which is Thursday right. night, starting at six, uh, seven on Thursday, six on Friday, then we'll be there Saturday and Sunday. Okay. So stick with us all weekend, pff.com from here Schefter has uh has been breaking all the big news recently I mean last show it was that Roger Goodell would be allowed to hug people on draft night I was real worried this today this week it's that Vikings wide receiver Justin Jefferson will be the first NFL player featured in the Fortnite video game Fortnite wow. is implementing Jefferson's gritty dance into the video game well like Jalen Rager would never end up in the video game nope doesn't if, have a dance. Had I known that, Justin Jefferson's absolutely getting drafted over Jalen. Well, you got to have yourself. You got to have yourself a dance. That's how you get into Fortnite. Have you got a dance? Or I get Ernest Givens in there. Mm -hmm. The electric slide. I do not have a dance. You don't have a dance. I used to do the fro dance. I used to like a little because <laughs> I have big, big poofy hair. Sorry, what the afro? The I know, I know. What what is the fro dance? You just kind of like wave your hands around your afro <laughs> when your hair is picked out. <laughs> What? You when you said you used to, when, in what, how, where? Short period of time. But like, O two to 06. venue? 02 to 06 or so. This wasn't like an on the mound thing? When did? No, no, no. This I, was behind closed doors. I see. Behind okay. closed doors only. Because that's an important difference, right? Like There's, he's doing the gritty in an end zone after he scored. 
you are doing the Afro dance behind closed doors. There's no uh, way. No yeah, video. Evidence. I wouldn't end up in a video game. Um, anyway, so the the last thing I want to say, as of now, until someone boots us out, we're going to come in live right after the draft too on yeah. YouTube here with our podcast. So you're not third, from here though. Remote. Not from here. Remote. Home. Your third podcast of the week will be coming in late night. Like early Friday morning, as early as we could possibly get it, recapping round one. Yes. And then we'll get to recapping all the shows. Okay? We yeah. done with the intro? I think so. I want to go back to this Orlando Brown Quite trade. a long intro. It was, sorry. There's just a lot going on here in draft week, and I'm excited, and I'm moving around a lot, and I'm bringing the mic with me, and I don't even care. I don't care. I'm excited. It's draft week, and there was a big trade last week. I think you care. And this is, I care a little bit. Yeah. Just don't make fun of me. Um, the Orlando Brown trade, we talked about it a little bit yesterday uh this morning on the pff nfl daily but i think the chiefs are overreacting to their offensive line situation that's the bottom line i think they're overreacting to the one game the super bowl and i think why do you think that because we keep saying we, we keep saying you got to creep back toward average right you got to yeah. just be you just got to be good isn't and that exactly what they just did they're paying a ton of money not yet they will be of course, it's it's all a part of it, though. They're paying a ton of money, right? To guarantee this. average. That's what they've done. That's literally what they've you're done. You're overpaying okay, for average, but that's not. That's a different thing. What you're saying is, are your mantra? I'm going to give it to you because you're the one preaching this. Your mantra of you have to creep back toward average on the offensive line, otherwise, that's where the problems are, uh, come from. The Chiefs have agreed, and they've said, all right. Not only do we agree that's what you need to do, we agree so much that we're willing to pay, overpay maybe, to guarantee that. What we really don't want to happen is for us not to be average at left tackle. And actually, for us to take that first-round pick, draft a guy in the bottom of the first round that is in the Tier 2 of those tackles available, and for the reason that guy is in Tier 2, for that negative to show up and him to be bad and us to have a problem at left tackle. We are prepared to pay big money and draft picks to guarantee that crate back toward average mantra. I, I'm, I'm worried about how much they're going to have to pay. Okay, but that's, that's part that's of it, the though. debate, right? It's not, it's that they have, it's how much are you prepared to pay to guarantee a level of safety at a fairly important position? We're talking about next year. So 2022. Right now, it's fine. Let's not think short term. In 2022, they, it, this or, they, have to, they have to lock up Orlando Brown. Yeah. Unless he's terrible. So, so, here's the, so the, either situation's, I think, bad for the Chiefs. Yeah, I mean, if he's You're terrible. either overpaying for him or he's terrible and you don't want him. And you wasted a first-round pick on Orlando Brown. Assuming he's at least average to good, which he's been. He's been good. Mm -hmm. you got to pay Orlando Brown. Joe Tooney's pet cap number just next year is seventeen point eight million. Mm -hmm. So Orlando Brown's going to be in that fifteen to twenty million dollar range, right? Mm -hmm. So let's just say he's seventeen. You're talking thirty four million locked up in the left side of your offensive line. And again, twenty twenty two cap numbers. You have Frank Clark at twenty six, and Tyree Kill at twenty, and Chris Jones at twenty nine, and of course Mahomes and you know the fluctuation of his contract. I just think it, the commitment they're they're not trying to be average on the offensive line they're trying to be elite on the offensive line that's why they're in the Trent Williams sweepstakes they're trying to be elite and and that's fine but I also think we they're going to be hurting when it comes to 
Tyreek and Kelsey insurance. Are they though? Like yes. Why? They've got the draft coming up. They can draft somebody. But like they're rel- because you're all that's going to do. You're all, leaving too much to chance. Or the all the Orlando Brown contract that is going to be given, and that's assuming they don't franchise tag him, which is definitely an option, is mean that a Frank Clark is on the way out, which is a move that arguably should be made anyway based off the fact that he hasn't come close to living up to that contract regardless of how many sacks he manages to fall into in the playoffs 13 million in dead money right okay but 13 million in cap savings as well anthony hitchens tyree kill has an 18 million dollar there's no there's no way that's a good team building situation why just 13 million in dead money for frank clark next year okay a bunch of teams have dead money all over the place like you're cut you're saving 13 million on the cap to get rid of him you're gonna lose a, you're gonna lose a tyron matthew or you can restructure him like tyree kill when he gets his extension is going to have a massively reduced salary cap number that right now is 21 million almost you're going to be able to cut that down to a fraction by giving him a long-term extension but i don't think the chiefs are in this like salary cap squeeze that you're painting them to be and i don't think the orlando brown contract is really moving the needle much it's not about a squeeze but at some point if you had to pay orlando brown or you have to pay another uh defensive back or um the tyree kill replacement or whatever it might be it's going to hurt you at some point um here's here's just what i'm looking at orlando brown's at left tackle joe tooney's at left guard let us not make the same mistake we made on the daily and forget Lucas Niang, last year's third-round pick. We didn't forget him. Lucas Niang was a third-round pick a year ago who didn't play last year. If you are banking on him to be your starting right tackle, you are lost in the ethers of Homer world fandom that I can't help you with. Like, this is a unique thing to fans of specific teams. They think like a mid-round pick from one or two years ago is like just biding his time, waiting to be unleashed on the world as the solution to a particular problem. A mid-round pick from previous years is basically non-existent anymore, right? They don't count. They're on your roster. They exist as depth in a pinch. They're not to be counted on as a starting solution going forward. And I loved the pick. Yes, it was a good pick. Because it's a nice developmental tackle, which yes. is what he is. But right now, Mike Remmers probably starts at right tackle. Um, LDT and Kyle Long battling for right guard and Austin Blythe comes in at center. I will admit, you know, in my team building study that I did, we t- that I referenced last week, Mahomes pass block, the pass blocking for Mahomes, number five in 2018, number seven in 2019, dropped to 12th last year. And that was just the regular season. Uh, the playoffs, it was worse, obviously, because of the Super Bowl. So I get it. They've had top five, top seven pass blocking during their best seasons, the Chiefs. They've been exactly middle of the pack as far as run blocking goes. But again, they're the biggest reason why Mahomes has had the biggest production is because he's awesome but also their receiving ranks are third fourth and seventh they're always they're always among the best in the nfl and i think they're what they've done is raise the floor of their offense fine i I just think they're going to be paying a ton of money for it and and what i mentioned on the daily as a better solution would be ali villanueva plus your draft pick that's the that's the biggest thing in this if it was ali villanueva and elijah moore we're talking that's that's the opportunity cost that they're leaving on the table and i'm not saying villain waiver was like waiting to sign or anything like that and i'm not saying they didn't try this but that is a better solution is get the free agent villain waiver for three years maybe he's making 12 to 15 million right and yeah. he's good enough he's average he's fine and then you also have an Elijah Moore or whatever, you know, Rondell Moore or whatever explosive playmaker is added to the mix with Mecole and Tyreek 
and Kelsey. It's still a two-player for one-player type of thing. And there's inherent risk with Orlando Brown going to a new team from the most run-heavy team to one of the most pass-heavy teams. And even though Orlando Brown does grade well as a pass blocker in our system, and he grades well even when we isolate true pass sets, you take out play action, you take out the easier pass blocking sets, he grades well in that situation. What is difficult to quantify, even for us at PFF, though, is the, the, the Lamar Jackson factor. How scared pass rushers are rushing against Orlando Brown and against Ronnie Stanley for fear that Lamar Jackson's going to break the pocket. So how protected has Orlando Brown been by Lamar Jackson? And he's going to pass protect probably twice as much now with Mahomes. Yeah, I mean, I think we'll find out right now. But your point is, I think they were fairly obviously going to draft tackle with that first round pick so they were going to go this route anyway they weren't planning at any stage to sign a Villanueva plug him in as a stopgap left tackle and figure out where you're going to go elsewhere in the draft from that point on they were drafting a left tackle looked at the landscape and said all right we don't really like this idea I mean we were talking we've been saying for a while that the Colts are in a tough spot 10 picks ahead of them with in terms of needing a starting left tackle right they might be sitting there all the top three guys go the Colts are now going ah, I don't really like where I am in terms of getting a starting left tackle out of this uh-oh let's draft an edge rusher as well let's come back maybe in the second round and get a guy who's better value the Chiefs are 10 picks later on running the same risk like we might not have a good viable guy at left tackle that we like and maybe we don't love a Samuel Cosme or whatever maybe we don't have any of the options left we think there are three decent quality starting tackles and after that we've got problems and if they've done that math and said all right alternatively we can flip 31 to Baltimore for a 24 year old proven quality all right how quality is still up for debate but proven decent quality starting caliber tackle um the rest of it like the draft picks are just noise right they shake out to basically 31 for Orlando Brown um we can do that and I okay it's going to cost more we're paying for that certainty but that is the debate it's the degree of certainty that Orlando Brown brings above insert random tackle that we could take at 31 whether it's Dylan Radon's whether it's Samuel Cosme whether it's Alec Leatherwood whatever any of those guys they've essentially done the calculation that we prefer the certainty of Orlando Brown over them and are prepared to pay a decent chunk of cash to make that happen. I, I get, yeah. I mean, my initial take is they're paying for certainty. They're, yeah. And that's, and that's, but and I don't that's think fine. that's desperation. I think that's just a calculated decision. I think it's fine. Um, the same, I just think it's going to hurt their team building elsewhere. I mean, you got to, you got to, you have to make decisions. I think there was probably, they probably could have done a little bit less on the offensive line and still been good enough, I guess is my, is my point. Um, but your main point is essentially they shouldn't have even been looking at tackle in the draft because they could have signed a villain waiver and used the first round pick on a wide receiver or whatever. If they were planning all along to draft a tackle at 31, it's a lot closer. Uh, no, I think so. I ran, I did run through this with the Colts and, and Quentin Nelson, right? I wrote a whole, I wrote a whole article about it, and I went into, it's essentially the same thing um, as far as the different scenarios. So in the Colts article, it was. Do you, do you bring in a guard, though, and push Nelson to left tackle? The Chiefs situation would have been, do I sign a free, a free agent? That would, and at the time, you know, Trent Williams could have been in the mix, but that would have been a crazy amount of money. But say Villanueva would be the free agent or Russell Okung. Short term, 
you know, average left tackle. And they tried to get Trent Williams. They did. And again, I think that would be a mistake. I think if that's where their resources are going over the next three years, left tackle and left guard, I think that would be a mistake. They would have, presumably, if they had signed Trent Williams, they wouldn't have signed Tooney. Like, they pivoted the money to Tooney once they couldn't get Trent Williams. Yeah, but but now they're pivoting. I mean, now they're going to be paying Orlando Brown almost Trent Williams' money anyway, so who knows? They might have been trying to get both. They probably weren't, but either way, they're not creeping back toward average. They're creeping back toward 90s Cowboys, and that's fine. It's, it raises the it raises your floor. It avoids disaster. It avoids Super Bowl disaster. But I don't know if it's if it's the home run that it can be because I'm I'm more worried about Tyreek gets hurt or loses a step or Travis Kelsey loses a step and gets hurt. I'm more worried about that. I mean, even I don't there's I don't think there's that much money tied up in the offensive line. Like there will be center through right tackle is paying for like a bag of peanuts right now. You've got a ton of money tied up in left guard and then soon to be left tackle but your starting five is still not I mean I haven't run the numbers but I don't imagine that would be the most expensive offensive line in the NFL or maybe not even one of the top few so here's the bottom line going back to the Colts example though I, I determined their best situation was get a mid-tier free agent like a Villanueva right and then you could also draft insurance right you draft a, a, a new guy to develop and what have you um, I think the Chiefs that's their best situ- situation the riskiest one is definitely drafting a first-round offensive tackle and assuming he's going to start. Mm-hmm. However, that that range of outcomes could land anywhere. It could it could work out. And then the Orlando Brown one is probably the safest as far as on-field performance, but it's marginal. But it's just on-field performance of the offensive line because you're also losing another player. You're losing another first-round caliber player, you know, borderline second-round player, fine. You're losing another player in the mix, and you're not in your tackles, not, not on a rookie contract. So you're paying, you're paying a veteran contract, and you're losing another rookie. That's where the risk comes in. You're losing another player. Somewhere else on your team, you're losing depth. So I think, I think the Chiefs are losing depth in two places in the, in the coming years. Money going to Orlando Brown in their late first-round draft pick and the inherent risk that you're bringing in a guy in a new situation. Let's spin it to the Ravens um, from the Ravens' point of view. I think it's a, it's a massive win for the Ravens. Yeah. I mean, I, to me, it's, it's a good trade. This is why I pitched it <laughs> whenever the, the podcast was that I suggested it. It makes sense for both sides. The Chiefs were willing to pay – for the certainty if they were drafting a left tackle at 31 which is where we said they were going or which is what we thought they would do it makes sense to be in the mix for Orlando Brown who is a guy that the Ravens or a guy that wants to play left tackle and the Ravens don't have that spot because they have Ronnie Stanley who's better Um, Orlando Brown has three straight seasons of good PFF grades three straight seasons of uh, very good pass blocking grades albeit with the caveat of that run heavy offense and what Lamar Jackson and the rushing threat does to pass rushing and then one good season of run blocking and two less so good um so he's a good caliber starting tackle now I think it makes it's it's fair to raise the question of what does that look like in a different offense where he doesn't have the same degree of protection from Lamar Jackson and the scheme that being said Mahomes and the Chiefs offense is probably a pretty good situation to be in if you're an offensive lineman as well. Like Mahomes influences the offensive line a lot like um, Aaron Rodgers does, I guess, in that it sort of swings and roundabouts. What yeah. he, you do have to worry about him breaking the pocket, obviously, right? Right, but what he, he 
he can protect an offensive line, but he can also hang him out to dry a lot. He he tends to do that thing where he drops beyond the pocket and just keeps going, you know? So when you're an offensive lineman blocking for a quarterback being at like nine yards in his drop point, Mahomes is dropping a 10 and then 11 and 12 and just backing up and backing up, that can be an issue. On the other hand, he's going to run around a bunch and get you out of some jams. So it's probably swings and, and or swings and roundabouts in terms of what Mahomes is doing personally. But then you have all the stuff that Andy Reid does in terms of um, screens and jet sweeps and all the sort of fake pass attempts that aren't really pass blocking plays that are plays you don't have to worry about blocking on a straight drop back. So this, this is part of my point with the Orlando Brown thing. If the offense protects the tackles as much as we're saying in Kansas City, why do you need an elite tackle? Why do you have to pay an elite tackle? I don't think they're pay- I don't think they're paying him because they think he's elite. I think they're paying him because they think he isn't a gamble. They're going to be paying 15 to 20 million dollars. Right, but that's different. Like that happens when you have a young decent player who comes up as a contract. Doesn't mean you think he's the best player in his position. It just means that so you're over you're sure they're going to be overpaying a tackle. Yes. Okay. So they're overpaying, but they're paying for the degree of certainty that he isn't a gamble. For the Ravens, this is it's such a win though, just because. And, and it's not. I mean, they're a little lucky in this whole thing. I mentioned on the daily, they're lucky that Orlando Brown came out and said, "I want to get paid big. I want to play left tackle and the whole thing." But the the I love the macro view of this whole thing. You draft a guy in the third round, get three years of really good play out of Orlando Brown, and you flip him for a first rounder. Essentially, again, we're calling the rest yeah. of the trade essentially I mean, they, a wash. Yeah, they, but you flip him for a first rounder. They essentially made profit on him in a couple of years, having yeah. gotten good seasons out of him. <clears throat> Maybe Orlando Brown is Doge. <laughs> like we've been sell at the yeah, right time. You've made that point before with you know guys like DeForest Buckner, where you effectively effectively maintain his value for a few years, right? You try yeah. you spend a first round pick on him, get a few years of high quality play, and then get a first round pick out of him before you have to give him the contract. The Ravens did that, only they actually improved his value. His value appreciated during that time, and he went from a third rounder to a first rounder, um, and you got the good seasons out of him. Yeah, I think for Baltimore, it's fantastic. Like, they get a first-round pick effectively, albeit, you know, 31 overall, out of a guy that they weren't really going to be able to keep. Like, either a couple of things would have had to happen. Either they would have needed to move Ronnie Stanley on, which feels really unlikely because he looks like one of the best pass blocking tackles in the game or they would have needed to give orlando brown so much money that he didn't he no longer cared about playing left tackle like look we get it it's a personal thing we would love to accommodate you but ronnie stanley's here so it's not going to happen how much money would it take for you not to be concerned about playing left tackle for the foreseeable future which probably isn't great for them either at which point you're talking about all right what can we get out of him and i think they got a good deal out of him the people in the YouTube chat are debating, or they're fighting about left tackle being the most important non-QB position. It is not. No. It is not. It is no different than right tackle in the NFL. Just reminding people. We have a lot of new listeners and everything. Here's the thing, too. It is not. You should not have a team where you're left. I mean, you can, but left tackles aren't worth 20 and right tackles are worth 2 millions, right? I mean, that, that's just not the case. It's not the NFL. It doesn't mean that you have to pay each 10 or anything like that, but you don't want to have a weakness and have a bad right tackle. Either way, you have Lucas Niang, so you're good. Um, anyway, you're I just... You're I, in I, danger I, becoming one of those uh, condescending podcast hosts that we don't want in PFF. No, I'm not. I, I, you, I love Lucas Niang. And honestly, I think, I think having Mike Remmers as the right tackle and then the hope that Niang takes over and does develop is not a bad play for the Chiefs. Um, I also wonder if that 
has to be the way they play it because of what they're going to end up paying Orlando Brown. I honestly you think play you're overegging that too much. Like it's okay. They're paying Orlando a lot. Brown and Joe Tooney are going to be taking up a huge chunk of the cap for two positions on the offensive line. Yes, but the other three are paying for nothing. Playing for nothing. Like it, it's still not a dramatically expensive offensive line. I think you can look at this and say they have taken lessons from the Super Bowl. And honestly, I mean, it's not like they left. They hadn't approached this this thing as the Seahawks had done with Russell Wilson, right? Which is for years fairly I mean consciously or otherwise dedicated almost no money to the offensive line on the basis that Russell Wilson could make do with whatever was put in front of him I I I don't know honestly whether that was a conscious thing or whether that's just the way it went and they preferred throwing money at the defense or wherever but whatever that was the way it was panning out for Seattle until Russell Wilson made some noises this offseason was like look I'm tired of this crap give me some blockers um I Kansas City weren't in that situation like they had money tied up in the offensive line both tackles were getting paid decent money um what the super bowl could have done if they had been able to get by with the five chumps that were playing that were left standing essentially when every everybody was injured you could have seen them going down that road i mean like ah it doesn't matter who the hell we put in the offensive line mahomes is going to get it done let's consciously go out there and pay our offensive line nothing and that will be how we win, right? We, we get spend all the money everywhere else. The offensive line gets nothing, and we still win because we have Mahomes. It's the cheat code. It's the trump card. They, I think, were prevented from that by that offensive line getting eviscerated in the Super Bowl, and that refocused them on saying, all right, we actually do need to maintain resources in this. But they didn't go from this Seahawks position to suddenly let's throw all the money at the offensive line. They went from, okay, we got nothing, uh, we need to make sure, having cut our two starting tackles, we get something back. And we we need to at least maintain a degree of spending on this unit. We can't just let it fall to ruin. So they've done that, right? But they didn't do it across the board. They didn't go out there and spend and like get the five highest paid free agents or trade candidates they could find. They spent big money Pretty on close. Joe Tooney. No, they didn't. close. They could have gone out there and traded for Gabe Jackson or Rodney Hudson. This is given their contracts. It's still massive. It's still they. They're they gonna... traded a. Ton, they got a ton of money invested in Joe Tooney, and they're they're going to drop a, a pretty decent chunk of money in a first round pick. Yes, on on, on uh, Orlando Brown, but they have virtually nothing on the other three positions. So if you're running eight nine guys deep on the offensive line, two of them are taking up a giant chunk of money, and the rest of them are nothing. That's not an expensive offensive line. Let me just wrap it up with this before we get into this deleted tweet by the Chargers, which is fascinating. The The Chiefs should be looking at the Patriots' dynasty or dynasty as the proxy for what you expect over the next 10 years. And the lessons to be learned, there were, the Patriots were either, their baseline was essentially, we're in the divisional round, right? We're in the divisional round. We're almost assured of being in the AFC Championship. That's how good we are. The difference in a given year is, are we going to make it to the Super Bowl, win the Super Bowl, or are we actually not even, uh, you know, will we even get there? In the times where the Patriots were just underdogs compared to their best teams, so to speak, is when their playmakers just weren't, just weren't there. They just weren't up to par. 2006, 2013, it's like when they were trotting out Jabbar Gaffney and Rache Caldwell, when they were trotting out undrafted free agent wide receivers, uh, that's when the Patriots did not have a shot or like when Gronk got hurt in the playoffs a couple times and they just they just lacked the firepower so the Chiefs raised their floor a little bit when they focus on the offensive line but having that 
having that backup plan at wide receiver and tight end might be more important. And I just, I, I, I just think they're showing from a resource standpoint, they're, they might be focused on the offensive line more than the offensive firepower standpoint. And, yeah. and, I, and I think that might be the lesson that needs to be learned for the Chiefs. On I'm the not saying hand, they won't continue to work that way, but... But again. the difference between the two is that they have Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill and Patrick Mahomes already in terms of firepower. Their offensive line had nothing at the time they were no, I get making it. all the moves. And even, like, offensive line... The difference between the two is I think offensive line is very much a weak link unit, whereas receiving group isn't. So if they're... If number four on their wide receiver depth chart is ass, it's not great, and it could be a problem if a bunch of injuries hit and suddenly you have to lean on that guy. But in theory, it's a lot better than if number four in your offensive line is ass and Patrick Mahomes getting buried every play by the left tackles guy. So I think it's a different point of view. But yeah, like spending on one group is going to reduce the amount of resources you have available to, to go find your Tyreek Hill insurance. All right, let's get to this deleted tweet by the Chargers. I wonder if this is real. The Chargers' actual Twitter account saying that the Chargers and Giants had a trade. We've definitely confirmed that, right? It's not We're not getting a darn shafter now, right? Uh, it's it's uh, at Chargers, verified account. Okay. And it said, Chargers trade, trade up. Who's it going to be? And it's the hypothetical trade, which may or, not, may or may not be real. Chargers move up to 11 from 13 from 13 to 11 with the Giants. The Giants move from 11 to 13, and, and the Giants also pick up pick number 77 this year. So the Chargers would be giving up a third-round pick to jump up two spots. To jump up two spots. My assumption is uh, there's a lot of rumors that they would love Panay Sewell. They might be moving up to go get closer to Panay Sewell or to assure themselves of a Rashawn Slater or a Christian Darasaw. Does that do that? Uh, maybe so the Eagles so the, they jumped the Eagles at 12 yeah and the Gi- and of course the Giants at 11 yeah the Giants I, I don't think will draft an offensive lineman but it's not like O-line's not a weakness for them mm-hmm. and then the Eagles with Howie Roseman they have so many holes on their roster and they're reported to just love Panay Sewell uh, and I think the Eagles in general Howie likes to draft offensive linemen right and you have Lane Johnson there you have Andre Dillard there at left tackle, but we don't know what Andre Dillard is. And I think the Eagles roster is, you know, in, in a rebuild. So if there's a great tackle there or Rashawn Slater, that can, you know, has guard size. Sorry, Duke. I'm not, I'm not Duke gets really mad when people move Rashawn Slater to, to guard because he's a tackle. Mm. I'm just saying he has guard size and you could put him at guard at least to start. So the Eagles could go. Sewell or Slater if they were available and the charges would be moving up above them just to you know increase their odds of getting one of those tackles I assume yeah I don't know that they're increasing it that much though I mean are they looking at corner corner's now a that, hole now yeah it doesn't it doesn't even do that I don't quite know what this achieves if you're the Chargers like okay it gets you closer to a corner but Dallas I think is the first real threat to take a corner at number 10 so you're still behind them. Um, Panay Sewell and, Sh- and Slater, I think, could both easily go in the top 10 picks, even with the quarterback chaos and the receivers going. I'm not 100% sure what this does guarantee you. Well, it's fake because it got... It, it got... Uh, deleted? Deleted. So that's good. Well, maybe, they, maybe they discovered that. Actually, you know what? This trade does nothing for us, so let's not do it. Yeah. 
The biggest thing to come out of this is that if it is real, it's Gettleman's first trade down ever. What's that? If this is real, it's Gettleman's first oh, yeah. trade Gettle- down ever. Gettleman trading down. Not right? just like in the first round. In any draft he has ever presided over, he has never traded down. This would be the first. There's, but it's the 10th year in a row. There's rumors that he's trading down. Right. But so. I would like it if just because in my mock draft, I had the Giants trading down. All the Giants fans were like, never going to happen, asshole. <laughs> Gettleman never trades down. So this would be fun. Yeah. Um, I'm interested to see where the Chargers go. I think, you know, getting, you know, again, the pass blocking for the Chargers last year. Talk about this this team building study. The la- last year was 30th in the NFL. They've already added new starters in three different spots. Presumably they're going to add a fourth with a starting left tackle. If it is assuring that they're going to get probably Rashawn Slater. I mean, I, I wouldn't it- give up a third rounder to do it, but. What it might do is, is is guarantee you the pick that we've been giving them anyway. Like, we've been having them take Darisol one spot ahead of Minnesota, but what if they think, all right, if we jump two spots ahead, we've taken out two teams that probably are, that might be in the tackle market, now we're pretty guaranteed of one of the three. Yeah. So, like, we, we, we haven't guaranteed a shot at Sewell or Slater, but we've probably guaranteed a slot at Darisol. Renner's put offensive tackle tiers at Sewell, Panay Sewell, Rashawn Slater, top one. tier. Darisaw as his own mid-first yeah, round like 1. tier. 5. Right? And then the next chunk of guys, which includes Walker Little, Dylan Radun, Samuel Cosme, yeah. and Tevin Jenkins, a whole bunch of guys as late first round picks. Yeah. The NFL values these guys. So if any of those guys that we have pegged as late first rounders, if any of them go at 10 to 15, I'm, you know, not a surprise. Even in Eli- Elijah Vera Tucker, we have closer to the 20s. If he goes top 15, not a surprise. So you're just um, trading up for the hog mollies, I think is what the Chargers are doing here. Yeah. I mean, I, I think to, to me, those first three guys are in a tier by themselves. But I agree with Renner. There's like a gap between two and then and, and uh, Darisaw. Like the, the top two are of a sort of tier of their own. But for the ease of like just simplicity, I think there's three guys that if you really want a starting left tackle, those are the three guys you want. And then there's another tier of guys who, okay, there's some starters in there, but there's a lot more risk attached to it. Right. That's where you don't want to be, is in a position where we need a starting left tackle and we now need to make the call on one of those guys and be right about it, whereas we're much more comfortable taking one of the top three guys. So if that's what the Chargers are thinking, that's the only thing I can think of that this actually achieves for them is essentially guaranteeing one of those three. Yeah, I, I wonder how much teams just – look at this so like every which way and they just as we get closer to the draft they're I like think it. i just cannot we can't not get our left tackle we can't not get whatever player we want or the position which is the danger of that's what we always say right if you leave yourself going into the draft needing to fill a yeah. guaranteed starting spot that's the kind of thing that it makes you do is go we have to make this move like for all we know the Chargers could have sat at 13 and we've been giving them darisol on a mock draft a bunch anyway right they could have sat there got the guy everything's golden but the fear of not getting that has caused them to jump up two spots maybe when they didn't need to so well let's think about this from the chargers perspective again too what if they did the i want i want to give every team ali villanueva because he's good enough apparently what if the chargers fill their left tackle spot with villanueva and they sat at 13 and then you can draft anybody you'd like (laughs) you could draft jc horn and you have a starting corner you can draft christian darisaw and maybe you've got your long-term starting left tackle uh, who could also, you know, move around, whatever. You could draft another edge rusher. You, you, they need an edge rusher opposite Joey Bosa. You could draft Quiddy Pay. 
So now your question is, I can have Villanueva and Quiddy Pay, or, or um, who did I say first? Corn, J.C. Horn. I can have Villanueva and one of those other first-round players. And oh, by the way, I'll also keep num- pick number 77. Uh, who could pick number 77 be on the board? It could be anybody. Give me one second. Mm. Who's number 77 on the PFF draft board? Oh, I got to go three. We can only have 25 players per page here. Come on, guys. How do I, how do I show more? Oh, Let's is, say number Joe Tryon, right now. Brady Christensen, right? You could have three players for the price of whatever the Chargers are trading up to go get, presumably to go ensure that they get Rashawn Slater or Christian Darrisaw. Do you understand? Like, do you understand like just just the value in not trading up and also signing mid-level free agent tackles? I'm just I'm just saying there are better options for these teams. There are better options. All right, do you want to talk Julio Jones? I, I really wanted to talk Washington Chicago QB situations as well. Yeah, what uh, do you want to? All right, let's get through this because I don't quite understand what your obsession is with this. Uh, first, I want to tell everybody about Underdog Fantasy because okay. if you like fantasy football. And if you like playing fantasy for money, you need to check out Underdog Fantasy. Underdog's, Underdog's got everything, including season-long and playoff best ball. Best ball is a season-long game where you draft a team like you normally do, but that's it. There's no in-season roster management. Underdog automatically selects your best performers each week, saving you loads of time. Go to Underdog Fantasy and deposit 10 bucks using promo code PFF and get a free PFF Edge annual subscription. That's promo code PFF. Draft now at Underdog Fantasy. So that's a free PFF Edge annual subscription for just $10. Promo code is PFF. Um, I think we're sitting there 19 and 20, Washington football team and Chicago Bears, right? Are we being unfair to the Bears this offseason? No. So they bring in Andy Dalton, a quarterback, which is, Depressing. again, the way, the way Ryan, Ryan Fitzpatrick hasn't been that much. Is, is he that much better than Andy Dalton? Yes. Stop. He is. He's not. He is. He's not that much better than Andy Dalton. Hold, please. You're going to take, yeah, the, the last mean, three like, years. He's silence. Like, I mean, you know, give me some hold music or whatever. It's pretty close. It's not pretty close. Stop it. They're three, do you, you, how many years of grades are you going to pull up? Three. Like just last year, the grades aren't all that different. Okay. So there's not a huge difference between Ryan Fitzpatrick and Andy Dalton, in my mind. Well, okay. There's there's a, I put caveat. Fitz ahead of Dalton. Fitz is ahead of Dalton. However... We're making it seem like the football team is, you know, five steps closer to the Super Bowl. They've made some other nice moves. That's bring... the thing, right? They've also gone, all right, if we're stuck with a Ryan Fitzpatrick, what can we do to make that as good as possible? They were still a, wor- they were a worse team last year than the Bears. Sure. Worse team, record-wise, than the Bears. Okay. They did win their division. Give them credit for winning an NFC East champion Washington football team. Yes. And, and look, I like the way the football team's going. I like uh, Ron Rivera. I like the you know the coaching staff was fantastic last year. They bring in Chase Young, but last year this offseason you bring in William Jackson, you bring in Curtis Samuel and Adam Humphreys, and they're moving in the right direction. PFF passing grade since the start of the 2018 season: Andy Dalton 74.3, Ryan Fitzmagic 80.5. It's a big gap. It's not big gap. Stop it. There's a big difference between the two. And Washington have said... I bet career grade is almost identical. And Washington have said, all right, if we're stuck with this guy as our starting quarterback, what can we do to surround him with as much talent as humanly possible? Let's go and get him receiver receiver help. Let's go and add things to this team so that it is better than last year's championship-level team. And let's build a better team around Fitzmagic. Champions. Seven-win team. So, better quarterback... 
better situation, better offseason to actually make things better while, around him. While Fitz is playing the best football of his career. Do just do last year's grade. Take Close out when it. he was throwing to the Bucks receivers. No. What was last year's grade? I don't have to take it out because he's going to be throwing to good receivers in Washington now. 75.1. Whatever. Dalton was like a 70 off the top of my head. Let's go. 69.6. It's pretty close. Yeah. So they're both, they both have mid-level type of starters who mm-hmm. could easily be QB 20 to 25 in the NFL in a given year. Even though I'm higher on Fitz now than I was three years ago. He's played better football. The Bears, it's not like the Bears roster is in complete shambles. It's not great, but, you know, the secondary has question marks. But it's not complete shambles. Are we? Are we? I think we're being a little unfair by, uh, by think by being completely depressed by Andy Dalton and and motivated and excited about the football team and, and Ryan Fitzpatrick. We got a darn Sheftered. Oh, we did. Now it wasn't even as sophisticated as in a darn Schefter. The it Chargers trade. Some dude that made it up on Photoshop. Oh, Photoshop move. Yeah, we so, got some uh, good content out of it. Yeah, I mean, good content that was irrelevant because it turns out the it's key not here happening. though. The key here is that we just talked about the philosophy. It's about the philosophizing, Sam. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, ideally, we could do that without getting hoodwinked by, a, by some random It would be great. With, I mean, I saw it, I saw it on my followers. timeline, but um, our, I blame our so- social team. It's your fault. Our social team bought, bought it. And once our social team started... Hook, line, and sinker. Yeah. Right. And once they started talking about it, I assumed it was real. Well, that's, so that's, I blame all you guys. That's a level. You know what they say about assumptions, Steve. Yeah. Hmm. Let's go. Uh, do you have any other thoughts here? I think we're being a little harsh on the Bears. I don't. I don't. Because I do here's not. the other perspective: the Bear are the Bears better at quarterback this year? Marginally. Marginally, in a year where everybody needed to get seismically better because this quarterback situation for Chicago has been so miserable for the last couple of years. It's like you have been saddled with Mitchell Trubisky, which has been dragging the rest of the roster backwards. Last season, you tried to like fix it somewhat how by trading a mid-round pick uh, for Nick Foles as some solution, which was crazy at the time. Uh, the whole thing is being cast in the context of you could have had Deshaun Watson or Patrick Mahomes, but instead you traded up for Trubisky. Like, there is zero, there's no situation in the NFL with worse, like, PR attached to it than Chicago's quarterback situation right now. So everybody's on the hot seat. It's saddling your team and keeping them back from where they could be. And you've been talking all offseason, ah, oh, they got to make this big splash at the quarterback. They've got to make a jump. And their jump was, we struck out everywhere, so we're bringing in Andy Dalton. You, you're welcome, it's, Chicago fans. It's just and a, you think that we're being too harsh on that. It's a bigger issue for Ryan Pace than it is the Chicago Bears, I'll yeah, say. but they're like one and the same. Like, he's the dude who's tasked with building this team to go win a Super Bowl. And his solution to years of swinging and missing a quarterback is Andy Dalton. Now, it's a very similar situation at Denver, who in Peter King's column this morning, he's like, I wouldn't be shocked if Denver didn't draft a quarterback in the first round, and if their solution was to flip a mid-round pick for Teddy Bridgewater. That would be equally gutless and depressing than Chicago going, all right, Andy Dalton is the solution this year. Like, we've been saying Denver has... Couldn't you see Teddy spreading the ball around to that group of playmakers fine? I mean, I, I've been given the Broncos Mac Jones and man, I mean, how much I've got better a Teddy is it? Bridgewater comp on Mac. How much better is, yeah, which is the same thing, right? We've been saying that 
if Carolina, remember before the 49ers jumped to three, Carolina was a, a, a likely or potential landing spot for Mac Jones. And the, even then, there were people like, geez, that feels like a reach. And the logic was, well, if they like Teddy Bridgewater stylistically, Teddy Bridgewater failed to live up to expectations last year, right? We thought that actually Teddy Bridgewater was a pretty good fit given the uh, talent that they had at receiver, the offensive scheme. And Teddy Bridgewater ended up with a PFF grade of 66, which is like 10 points worse than his baseline previously. So they could have actually liked Bridgewater as a, a stylistic matchup, but he let the side down by his performance. So if they like Mac Jones as like a Bridgewater-style quarterback, actually it might be exactly the kind of quarterback they were looking for, but a guy that isn't going to play worse than they thought he would. So that made sense. And again, like it would make sense for Denver, but Bridgewater played so badly last year relative to where he should have, it would just it would be a Dalton-esque level of depression to be like, all right, this is what we're going with. Yeah, the you take a Mac, even though, again, Mac Jones gave me Teddy Bridgewater vibes for whatever that's worth. I mean, it doesn't mean they're exactly the same player. So even though that might be the case, there's always the chance that Mac Jones is better. You have, there is more uncertainty there. And, and that's why you make that, that's why you make that pick. Right. Um, do you want to talk Julio? Sorry, I just, I, I wanted to discuss Washington and Chicago just a little bit. Cause I, I, I think we're going to go into the season thinking the bears are like a three or four win team because of the perception of the offseason, and they're better than that. Of course. I and mean, Dalton makes them a little bit better. They're, a slight, they're probably slightly better than they were last year, and they were a good team last year that was held back by their quarterback. They will probably, again, be a good team that's being held back by their quarterback this year. I'm more worried about you know, maybe you know, losing to Kyle Fuller and yeah, like you know, what happens. Chicago should still be the second best team in the NFC North this year. Better than the Vikings? Yeah. Oh, jeez, I'm not... Who needs Julio? Who needs Julio? So the rumor is that the Falcons are looking to trade Julio Jones, potentially. Teams are calling mm. about Julio Jones. Are, can we confirm this, please? Is this real? It's at this one actually it's, came this is, from This Rashi, is an actual real one. As opposed to the random. It's video. an actual real rumor. Um, again, the cap situation in, in Atlanta is not great. And if you... The Falcons have to know if they're going to trade Julio Jones, right? You either have a deal in place or you yeah. just know if you're going to shop him. And if that's the case, do you go Jamar Chase or Kyle Pitts at four? How much does this affect your, your draft strategy at four? I think it affects it a lot. I mean, if you know you're losing Julio, you are probably in the market for the top wide receiver available as opposed to Kyle Pitts. Would you go Chase over Pitts then? <sighs> I wouldn't like it, but if I'm trading away Julio, probably. I mean, ideally, you still want to be able to trade down, which I just don't think they're going to have an option for. Um, if you could trade down and get Chase, that would be ideal. Who's, uh, who could use Julio Jones? I mean, anybody in the market for wide receivers still. The New England could still massively use him. They're not going to, I think, dedicate that kind of money to a Julio Jones because they never have before. Um, but New England would be fun. Uh, I don't know. Who else is badly in need of wide receivers? Jets. Yeah, but they just paid Corey Davis. Their receiving core is taking shape. Would they dedicate huge money to Julio? This, this is also part of the reason. So I, I'm thinking about I so mean, the risk that you take. As much as we love drafting wide receivers high, it's because the payout is incredible. What if, you're, uh, what if you want the coin flip that is Chase Sewell? If you're a Cincinnati, do you want to throw money at Julio Jones instead and be able to draft 
Panay Sewell with your top pick. Sewell and Julio. Now, Cincinnati's not exactly known for big money spending, yeah. so that's not ideal. But Well, like, Julio could be the next A.J. Green. Yeah, I mean, just in terms of a fit, it makes <laughs> sense. But I don't know if, like, mechanically that's going to function. Uh, the Eagles have massive receiver questions still, but they're more in, in rebuilding mode. Yeah. Um, I'm just looking at the Baltimore Ravens. Yeah, they're not going to do that, though. They have an extra first now. Granted, yeah. they gave up a second, but they have an extra first now. Um, but this, if it's going to be a post-June 1st, it's more about future draft capital. You keep saying the biggest question mark, what does it this is. offense look like with wide receiver one? But they showed no inclination of answering that question this offseason. I don't think they're going to go there for how answer many, it with Julio. How many top receivers were actually out there? Kenny Galladay. Kenny Galladay. They weren't. Kenny Galladay, they I, I don't they think... looked into Sammy Watkins. You know, you got Sammy Watkins. They looked in a few. They looked in some tier two spots. I don't think Baltimore's going all in on Julio to answer that question. I think they'd be a prime candidate. I'm just looking at last year's PFF receiving I mean, grades as a team. Detroit still badly needs receivers. It depends if you think that makes rebuild. any sense with their rebuild. I, maybe you know what should ha you know what Arizona should offer a second rounder and a running back and see what happens. <laughs> Could you imagine yeah. back-to-back years? Just throw a second and a running back for uh, DeAndre Hopkins and Julio Jones, see what happens, you know? I mean, maybe the Chargers with Justin Herbert. It's like, well, we've repaired the offensive line mostly. We've got, you know, first-round tackle on the way. What happens if Julio comes on board with this offense? As of Sunday, the Rams will have another first-round pick to trade. They can grab their 2026 first-rounder or whatever it is, and the Rams could throw, you know, they don't have a first rounder until the next, you know, yeah. 10 years. But as soon as the draft ends, right, you could. You, One year in the advance. future, yeah. Yeah, you could, the, the Rams could throw their future first rounder. Okay. At the Falcons. Sure. Dolphins? Dolphins, yeah. I mean, they have the team with all the draft capital. So here's what would happen, right? Dolphins, think about this from the Dolphins' perspective, right? As of right now, if Julio's on the football team, Kyle Pitts, I think, is the play at four. If you know you're going to trade Julio, you get something in place with Miami. Now, Miami knows they're not – Atlanta's going to take Jamar Chase at four. The Bengals will choose between Panay Sewell and Kyle Pitts. Mm -hmm. It's still a close, a close battle. Take your chances that they're going to take Panay Sewell. Now Miami gets to draft Kyle Pitts at six and trade for Julio Jones with all that extra draft capital that they have. That's the play. Now Miami has Will Fuller, Devontae Parker, Julio Jones, Kyle Pitts. You think you'll figure out what Tua is next year? You think you'll have an idea? Yeah. Miami's the team. <laughs> and, and this goes back to accumulating draft capital just so you can be in position for these moves. It is interesting, though, when you sort of look at it team by team throughout the league. You're like, oh, yeah, there's a bunch of teams that would desperately need Julio Jones, yada, yada. And you actually work through it and you're like, it isn't that big a pool of teams that would be really in the market for an elite aging number one wide receiver to the point where they'd be willing to throw like pretty hardcore capital and money at it. I, no, that's why I think you'd have to have it built up. Yes, I mean, I mean, it'd be nice to have Julio push people down the depth chart. You know that. Yeah. You know that'd be a good thing. But you're right. When you, I'm just looking at last year's. When you look at the investment that it would take, your your number of prospective teams shrinks pretty quickly. I'm just looking at last year's bottom. Uh, receiving grades uh, worst receiving grades in the league last year as much as we talked about Denver they're actually down there but I think it's you know yeah you know they'll get better it's it's more of their youth movement that we like by the quarterback but the football team was 30th 
they've invested at, at, at receiver. The Jets were 31st. They've invested at receiver. The Ravens were 28th. That's why they should be there. The Steelers were at 27th, but I think they're invested enough. I mean, they've, they, have, they have the right people in place. The Patriots are 26th. They've invested heavily um, with tight ends and, and receivers. So a lot – the Giants were 25th. They brought in Kenny Galladay. So a lot of the teams that had the worst receiving groups in the NFL last year also have invested since that point. By Jacksonville. Jacksonville's the next team I was looking at. Oh man, I would absolutely. They're the do one it. team there that's like in need of a number one. Like, okay, we've got some pieces that we like. DJ Chark is a deep threat. Lavisca Chenault is the sort of gadget player who can do a bit of everything. Um, we like where we are with the kind of the, the fringe pieces, but Trevor Lawrence could really use like an elite number one right out of the gate. I would absolutely do it if I was Jacksonville, or at least investigate. Right? I mean, just take a. And they're, they're another team with, you know, extra draft. I mean, we've been sometimes giving them, you know, a, a wide receiver late in the first. But, yeah, they, they're a team with draft capital to make that happen and money to make it happen. Jacksonville actually makes a lot of sense. And then if you're the Jags, so I like to think about the fallout here. You'd give up some future draft capital, which isn't ideal. But then in late in the first round, you don't have to pick a receiver. Now, I don't think Jacksonville will. That's just the way I would consider it, like an Elijah Moore there. Jacksonville can get their future tackle potentially, you know, sitting behind Cam Robinson late in the first, knowing that you're going to bring Julio in. Julio Chark, LaVisca, and Marvin Jones. A little crowded. Mm. Make that work. Yeah. But but this is why I really think I, I think Miami's the play. Because they've got future firsts, they've got future everything. They've just invested. This is the thing. They just invested so much. Um draft capital into the team into the roster at some point you can't really draft 15 times a year you know 12 to 15 times a year at some point you do want to mix it up diversify and having the extra draft picks allow you to take a chance on a guy like julio what do you think it would take to happen he's heading into year 12 11 started in 2011 he's still really good he's 32 a 32-year-old receiver. The problem with this, we just saw this. with A.J. Green battled. Coming with a monster cap number. And A.J. Green battled specific injuries that, like, sapped him of his playing ability. Julio, it, in, and A.J. Green isn't as good of an athlete as Julio. If Julio loses a little bit of athleticism, he becomes, what, like, late career Andre Johnson? Like, think about some of the receivers late in their career where they just lose. Randy Moss lost it. Mm. A.J. Green has lost it. Andre Johnson was really, really protected. Was the Colts that signed him late? Yeah. And like, we're hoping to, but he, he just lost it. Like they just, they're not good anymore. There is a ton of risk that a 30 year old receiver, 32, 33 year old receiver is just not going to have it anymore. Um, and then, but then you look at a guy like Larry Fitzgerald, Larry Fitzgerald has like, he's just been a productive, essentially a number three, possession receiver and that's certainly not worth a ton of money it's a nice player to have but it's not a huge investment but what you're hoping to get is one to two more elite years out of a julio jones so you're weighing that with the money in in the future mortgaging i certainly don't think he's bringing a first round pick i think you're getting a second and maybe something else max so if you think you're close I mean, Miami's got a pretty good foundation everywhere else. Miami makes sense. Would New sense. England do it? Maybe. I don't, I don't think – New England, I don't think, would be scared away by the trade costs. I think they'd be scared away by the money attached to his contract. 
Um, I yeah. could see Miami makes sense to me. Jacksonville makes sense to me. Um, I still think the Chargers make some sense. And then the one other team that we haven't mentioned yet is Indy, who still need wide receiver oh, help for Carson Wentz. Uh, probably want to go edge rusher or tackle with their first round pick, but they still want, you know, a a wide receiver from somewhere. Maybe they'd be willing to flip a second round pick for Julio. The, the Colts. Let me explain why the Colts absolutely should. Let's go through uh, Carson Wentz's. Carson Wentz has four seasons on his rookie contract, essentially. Right. He has had a top ten pass blocking team every single time. 10 10 10 and a third uh the third best pass blocking team in 2019 when he was just okay he's had a top 11 run blocking offensive unit every single year top 10 and three years third in 2017 when they went to the super bowl he carson wentz has had a good offensive line his entire career but once again the difference in his career the number seven ranked receiving grade uh, i'm sorry the number eight ranked receiving grade in 2017 that was the MVP caliber season for Wentz. Every other year, 12th, 21st, 29th. 12th, 21st, 29th. The one time that he had a top 10 receiving grade arrest, surrounding him had the MVP caliber year. The Colts should be uncovering every rock to find as much receiving talent as possible. Mm -hmm. And I know I say this for every single team. But it's just what the it's just what the data says. You get the, the the Colts offensive line is already a top ten offensive line. Yeah, assuming you you figure out the left tackle situation, you, you have to figure that out still. The, let's assume they're going to be a top ten offensive line. They have all the pieces, most of the pieces. You go crazy for receivers, whatever it might be. Julio Jones would be, and they have the, they have the money to burn a little bit for a couple of years and take that chance, and then draft receivers as well. Indy's a great call. Now the interesting thing about the other needy teams the saints could use uh, julio but you're not gonna i assume you're not gonna trade in the division to mm -hmm. the saints and then if you're the bucks <laughs> who are not who are or who are also in the division and unlikely to be a trade partner if you're having a forward-looking approach maybe you can't chris godwin's on the franchise tag right maybe chris godwin's a free agent and you're thinking two years of julio could the bucks fit a julio into their <laughs> offense yes i mean they fit antonio brown into their offense last year but I don't. You don't see that happening within. The if division. you're, why do you think so? Trades within the division tend not to happen for obvious reasons, right? You don't want to make your uh, division rival better. If you're a team that wants something out of a division rival, why do teams not just like set up a three-way deal, where it's like, all right, you make this trade happen, and we'll just give you what you gave up, essentially. Yeah, I mean, well, like immediately afterwards, right? Yeah. So you know, find a stooge to say, all right, we want Julio Jones go trade something for Julio Jones and whatever it is, we'll match it back for you. I guess the only concern would be if that they then renege and some team that didn't really want him is left holding a Julio Jones. But otherwise, surely that's a pretty easy way around that. We went, we're trying to bring a lot of things back here. Uh, by the way, I have one more team that needs to be mentioned. But we have a lot of um, things we want to bring back. We want to bring back the comparison, mm -hmm. right? Instead of equating, we want to bring the three-way trade. To the do NFL. we? I think a lot you of, and I talk about it more. Do that. We must talk about it more than we lead all NFL podcasts. Everybody's been trying trades. to do that this offseason. I'm just like, I don't like shoehorning them in for no reason, which is what everybody else appears to be trying to do. It's like, hey, 
here's a giant trade. Let's make it a three-way deal because for some reason that makes more sense in everybody's brain. But like in this one instance, just to get around the idea of like they're not going to pick up the phone if you're calling from within the division because they don't want to make you a better team. So why not just get around it by finding a third team like a patsy that can just stand in and make the deal for you and then you take it on? Well, counterpoint, I was thinking about this the other day. If you feel good about what you're giving, getting back and you feel less good about what you're giving up, should you care if it's being traded to the division? No. I mean, that's the thing, right? Even theoretically, if you're willing to make the deal anyway, you shouldn't really care that he's going within the division. It's there's like just a, that. It's a fear. There's just, yeah, there's that fear that like Julio, okay. But it's, know, not, Julio's it's not a, a logical thing. I send Julio to the Saints, the hated Saints. And he just burns me for two years. All of a sudden, he becomes a yeah. red zone threat. He scores I mean, 15 touchdowns a year. I guess the logic is that you're, a lot of the times, you're not, you're not getting rid of a guy because you think he's not good. You just think that the edge with your team overall going forward is for, is for the capital that he's bringing back is more important for you than that player. But that doesn't mean you think the player isn't good and you don't want him coming back and haunting you every time you play him even if you're a better overall team because of the picks that he brought in. So I guess it does make some sense, but I just, I don't quite understand why teams aren't able to get around that fear by just invoking a third, you know, like a front man, you know, you got a bad credit Real, rating, send yeah. in the dude, send in some guy who's got a perfect one well, a and then just give him the cash. I like the idea, a middleman. I want to give you one more team, but first I want to mention about how for some, the draft is the most exciting day of the season. It is for us. For others, it's a chance to build on last year's success. Whether your team has the first pick or the last, DraftKings Sportsbook is bringing the excitement to you. DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, is adding the thrill of the draft with a chance to turn $1 into $100 in free bets if a quarterback is drafted first overall on Thursday night. Uh, do you hear this deal? If a quarterback is drafted first overall on Thursday night, you could turn $1 into $100. All you have to do is download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code PFF when you sign up for that chance to turn $1 into $100 in free bets. That's right. DraftKings Sportsbook is letting you turn $1 into $100 in free bets if a quarterback is selected first overall this Thursday night. I think that might happen. Hmm. Don't forget, enter promo code PFF during sign-up. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. New Jersey, Indiana, or West, West Virginia only. New customers only. Winnings paid out in free bets. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Ah, gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana. 1-800-9-WITH-IT. You got coffee with the t cocky with the terms and conditions, and since then, it's just been a mess. I'm still pretty good at it, I think. I still I mean, think I'm pretty good. Look, Second best in the pretty company. Good is, pretty good is just not good enough. Second best in the company. How about the Seahawks for Julio Jones? Seahawks? They're, they want to bring in Antonio Brown. They but they're in the market for dabbled like, in Josh Gordon. Yeah, they're always in the market for like the low cost, high upside gamble that, that you come, you know, a troubled character who has an elite talent but has got some issues and therefore comes for nothing. Those are the guys the Seahawks are into. They're not into like, hey, Julio Jones and his whatever it is, like $20 million contract hit or cap hit. Yeah. They just drafted 11 times in 2019. That's when they worked that magic and turned one pick into like six picks, one of which turned into DK Metcalf. By the way, just Metcalf and Julio on the same team. Just worth trying to think about unfair. here. Last year, they drafted eight times the Seahawks. This year, they have three draft picks. The risk here is anytime you only draft three, assume, let's say they grab a couple more picks. Anytime you draft four, five, six times in a year, you are 
in danger of depleting your roster in the in the coming years. So if the Seahawks tried to make this power move and make Russ happy, Sam, forget forget offensive line. We're going to get you Julio. The Seahawks would have to give up future draft capital again after you know hardly even drafting this year presumably it would be very risky for the long-term prospects in seattle yeah i i don't i don't think it makes a ton of sense for seattle i don't love them as an option i could see them thinking about it though i I mean yeah i could see them thinking about it i could see a lot of teams thinking about it like kicking around the idea hey what are we doing what if we got a snag to julio and then like work through the actual ramifications of that and we're like yeah no not so much so this thursday night you're all going to join us it's the pff draft show it's over at pff.com might be shown on a few other places we'll let you know exactly where it is but pff.com is the spot where you want to be we're going to be live starting at 7 p.m thursday night we're going to be there all night for round one all night for round two from six to midnight sam Mm. on friday night or beyond saturday is it 11 saturday supposed to know these exactly yeah um it's all day saturday as well and then sunday 12 to 3 recapping the entire show it's all at pff.com join us for the draft and of course you're going to need your draft guide it's all part of your edge or elite package both of which are 30 percent off this week draft 30 is your promo code draft 30 30 percent off if you're listening to the podcast just pause it go grab your subscription use draft 30 come on back and listen to the rest of it if you're on youtube at the end of the show go check it out you can do it at the same time you can multitask draft 30 draft 30 is your promo code let's talk some 49ers rumors here it is reported that they are down to trey lance and mac jones yes is it too late for trey lance to fire up another pro day just to make sure you or another exhibition game finished grab a game yeah is Central nope. Arkansas available? Can somebody get Central Arkansas on the, the phone? The FCS is playing right now. Just just roll back in there. We need a Wednesday night. Well, Wednesday, it'll be like Maction. We need a Wednesday night game. for. Tra- Listen, the last... The day before the draft. The last showcase game, Trey Prime Lance graded time. like 58 as a passer. I don't yeah, know if that's a good idea. So, what are we doing here? Uh, yeah, so here's the thing. First of all, I still don't think that this is like... I don't think there's any accurate information whatsoever flowing about the 49ers quarterback decision. Kyle Shanahan is telling maybe one person, and that one person is unlikely to be telling the media. So nobody knows. That being said, I do think there's a reasonable chance that what has been reported is accurate in terms of they are those are the two quarterbacks they're mulling. Um, I know we've been saying that Justin Fields is the guy that we would choose at number three. And I think he probably... If it was my decision, that's probably where I would go. I think Fields brings the most interesting blend of all of the attributes available. He's got the freaky athleticism. He's got size. He's got speed. He's got incredible accuracy. He's got some incredible throws on his resume. And the things that people are pulling out to nitpick about him, I think, are an awful lot off base. The one sort of fear you have about him is an unknown and probably, like, diminished fairly significantly within Kyle Shanahan's offense so if I was making the pick I think I'd go Justin Fields that being said I I, I'm in a weird spot where as much as I've been preaching that teams are not going to have these guys as like five quarterbacks all of the same go get one of them I do like all five quarterbacks and I don't think like I would be happy coming out of this draft if I'm a quarterback needy team with any of the five Um, so I think you can make a compelling case that 
either Trey Lance or Mac Jones is the quarterback that that they want. The only thing that makes me question the Mac Jones thing is I still just don't I get the other ones in terms of it's not just picking them at three it's trading essentially three first round picks to make that move I get that for Trey Lance I get that for Justin Fields I don't really get it for Mac Jones I just don't see I I I can't really see that he has a ceiling that justifies that level of buy-in the the argument for Mac Jones is not different than the argument for Trey Lance or for Justin Fields. I feel like the argument for him, though, is it's like Jimmy Garoppolo on a rookie contract. And and it's like Shanahan said, again, I keep going back to what are the two years where Shanahan moved the ball the best? 2012 and 2016. 12 with RG3, 16 with Matt Ryan. And I think he's going to go back and say, I want one, I want one of those two. And if it's RG3, you you need a rushing threat. If it's Matt Ryan, you just want the best pure pocket passer. And that could be Justin Fields. But I could see where people think it's Mac Jones, right? A guy that's going to read the field quickly, hit the open receiver. He had plenty of you know ability to do that at Alabama. Again, Fields hit the open receiver pretty well at Ohio State as well. But I think we all agree Mac Jones seems to run the offense the best out of this trio here. And probably better than even a Zach Wilson and comparable to Trevor Lawrence, right? Mac Jones is, is at the top there. So even if the perceived ceiling isn't that high, it's also fair to say if you were trying to judge the ceiling for RG3 versus Matt Ryan, who would you say? You would, you would instinctively say, I think RG3 has a higher ceiling because he's got rushing ability, a really good arm. And reality is Matt Ryan's just, you know, he's a top eight quarterback where you put that in Shanahan's offense. It's great. So I can see people looking at Mac Jones, pocket movement and feel and all this stuff. And, and he's our guy and he's on the cheap compared to Garoppolo. I don't have to pay $25 million a year. I got to pay a rookie contract, and now we're going to load up everywhere else. And that's the strategy for the Niners. So I think it's that it's balancing that who's going to run my offense best? I'm Kyle Shanahan. Who's going to run my offense best versus who's going to allow me to do more offensively? Yeah, that I think is the argument for Mac Jones, right? Is that it, it would be Kyle Shanahan essentially saying, I want to run the Sean McVay Jared Goff playbook in terms of I have a system that I know works and it does incredible work. Look at the numbers that I've been able to get out of Nick Mullins in the last couple of years. I have been able to get this guy who's like an undrafted stooge that nobody's heard of to eight yards per attempt, four and a half thousand passing yards in, in essentially one season's worth of play with like without him doing anything the dude has like the lowest big time throw rate in the nfl he's just a passenger in this thing my system can get this guy to top 10 quarterback numbers therefore my system is awesome all i need is somebody to come in here and run it and run it well and if that's what you're looking for i do think that you can make a pretty convincing argument that mac jones runs a system better than anybody else in this draft including Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson, not just the Fields Lance thing. Like Mac Jones ran that system at Alabama to a T. Now, that system at Alabama has similar cheat code things in it in terms of the stuff they're doing in terms of route concepts is cheating. Like it's ridiculous. Yeah. They're running like combinations 15 yards deep down the field that you just don't see anywhere. Um, they obviously had the four, uh, the first round receivers, not four of them. If they were them running last year. rock, paper, scissors for who gets to be yeah, like the, the number guy one that gets thread open, on the right. deep, right? I mean, it was ridiculous. All kinds of stuff, right? So 
he's definitely got that working in his favor as well. But when you watched him run it, like the speed with which he was able to work through the progression, find the right guy and hit the right guy and just get it to where it's supposed to be, I think is completely unrivaled. And he very rarely made a mistake within all of that processing. Um, I can see Shanahan looking at that and saying, like, this is what I want. This is what I'm looking for is a dude that will just not screw up my system. I know the system's great. I just need that level of mental processing on a consistent basis. And I don't really care if he doesn't do a ton out of structure because I don't need him to. I just need him to run this. I, I definitely see him being attracted to that. What I, Again, I just keep coming back to this idea of I don't I can't. I have a hard time squaring that with the idea of I like that. But do I like it to the tune of three first round draft picks? It just seems like too much of a stretch. Also, to your point, how do you really think the Niners made this trade? Just saying it's one of three. Do you really think they did that? No. And I don't think that they would have been far enough along in the Mac Jones eval to, to have bought in so conclusively at the time they made that trade. That I disagree with because the other thing you have to like what else would they have what else would they have watched about mac jones now see, versus then besides just pro days more tape I, I think the more you watch of mac jones the better you think he is so his stock i think for most people would be consistently going up the closer the draft you get the further back in time you get the lower he should have been in your evaluation because i just no, don't think the scout, what he does well shows it. the scouts have all the their scout reports isn't who you need to buy in to make that trade happen sure you need the but the you scouts, Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch, having been hip deep in his tape, and to presumably the point where they, they would have it. done that. So I'm assuming the scouts have their they have their grades in. Obviously, uh, when was this trade made? Mar it was last month, right? It was sometime in March. So the it's it's after the combine. By the combine time, which is late February, early March. By that time. I'm assuming Kyle Shanahan has a really good idea as, as far as Justin Fields, Trey Lance, Mac Jones, all top five quarterbacks. He has to have watched everything he needs to see. And I'm assuming he's actually not watching that much more between now or then and now mm. by the time the trade was made. I don't know about that. The last point that I think is important is that if you believe that Mac Jones is that good, because remember, right, for Mac jo it's not that prototypical pocket passers, prototypical in quotation marks, can't be like great because obviously Tom Brady just won a Super Bowl is still amongst the best quarterbacks in the NFL at 87 years old you can still be amazingly good if you can't move around to a great degree or play outside of structure too much but it means that you need to be phenomenal at that processing and accuracy and the things that Tom Brady is great at so it's not that it can't happen but if you are so convinced that Mac Jones is that good at that stuff why is he not in the conversation for number two overall and number one overall why has he never been in that discussion and the closest that he ever came to that before the 49ers trade was like carolina at eight and even then it was like that felt like a stretch and that and man that's a fair point so if that, why, like if you why are that, none of these guys why and, is no one else in the in the in right. the number two discussion supposedly Kyle Shanahan is one of the best offensive minds in the game who should know what he's looking for in a quarterback right if he is that convinced that Mac Jones is the guy why has there never been any conversation that he's in the discussion for number two forget forget number one even if you assume that Trevor Lawrence is just cast in stone as the number one overall pick Zach Wilson has come out of nowhere this year was admittedly phenomenal at BYU 
but the grade is the same essentially as Mac Jones at Alabama. I let's call the situation a wash, right? Mac Jones has got Alabama's offense and those receivers working for him. On the other hand, he was in the SEC. Uh, Zach Wilson has got incredible offensive line that never caused him any kind of problems. On the other hand, he and was playing against bad competition. On the other hand, was therefore never like you know what I mean. So let's call the situation a wash. At no point has it ever been mooted that Mac Jones could be the guy at number two. That's fair. And I think that's – we we were asking the same question, like why isn't Justin Fields in the conversation? Right, but Justin Fields too. at least has had a period of time where that was the case. You know, if you go back far enough, it's like, hey, But there I was know. a point where that just ended. There I know, was a point sure. where it ended. But my point is that there's been a, there's been a time where he was seen at that caliber of – of quarterback it's never never happened for mac jones so at least if if they traded the three first round picks for justin fields you could say all right that makes sense justin fields at one point was seen in the same breath as trevor lawrence that makes sense obviously kyle shanahan believes that's the player he's getting it may that doesn't exist for mac jones it's like kyle shanahan sees something nobody else sees if that's what they're doing yeah, I keep coming back to it's it's unbelievable getting into the Shanahan brain. And it doesn't mean he's the best at evaluating quarterbacks. It's the same thing with, with Belichick. I mean, Belichick made the most important quarterback decision in history with Tom Brady, but he hasn't had to make a whole lot of quarterback decisions since that point. So the sample size is tiny for, for Bill Belichick. I'm looking at Shanahan, though, again, and saying – what could he be looking at? There's somebody, I think it might have been um, Stephen Ruiz posting all these quotes about, I'd go to war with C.J. Beathard and, you know, Nick Mullins. And it's a, lot, it's a lot of coach speak. Like, I would go to war with them over, you know, Deshaun Watson or whoever other good quarterback there is. Does Kyle Shanahan, how much does ego, we've talked to a lot of coaches through the years, how much does ego play into this? You talk to coaches sometimes who are like, give me the raw materials. Just give me the raw materials. I'm a great coach. I'll make the best of it. Does Shanahan feel like all he needs is raw materials or all he needs is somebody not to screw it up? So think about the two angles here. If he's looking for a guy to not screw it up and he's cheap, that's Mac Jones. It's not raw materials. It's play, just run the NFL offense and don't screw it up. Just hit the open throws that I create for you, which Mac Jones does extremely well. That's the fascinating thing about this decision to me is that I think all three have the raw materials. They're just very different. They're just materials. different raw materials. And, and yes. what this is, whatever he ends up going, is like a referendum on what Kyle Shanahan thinks is important at the quarterback position. Because I think they're three vastly different quarterbacks, all of whom, as I said, I like and think have the ability to do it. But it would say it would it would it, uh, it would present a very different statement about what Kyle Shanahan thinks is important at the quarterback position, whichever guy he selects. So if it's Mac Jones. What Kyle Shanahan is saying is that, to me, processing within the pocket and within the structure of my offense and being able to get to the right read based off what the defense is showing me is the most important thing we can do. If I have a guy that sees the game the same way I do and can get to the right adjustment and the right check every time the defense throws something at me, we'll be great. That's what I love. If he takes Justin Fields the uh the statement is i love accuracy and i love a guy that can function within the offense but when things break down we got some special athletic skills that can add a little wrinkle to things and i can do some stuff with the run game if he takes trey lance what he's saying is that i think i can fix 
accuracy issues. If you give me a guy with an arm and this level of athleticism, I can create a great offense around him. And like he's done a decent job of processing so far on a really limited sample size. I think that this guy lets me build the best quarterback of the group. That's Lance? You yeah. Just said? Yeah, I mean, I, that's, so the argument for Lance, I wanted to get to that. The argument for Lance is, is, a com- is the combination of I'm going to add the run game to my, to my offense more. I'm going to add the quarterback run game. And again, the Shanahan offense is all about winning the numbers battle at the line of scrimmage. And there's no greater equalizer in winning the run game advantage than the quarterback. It is the ultimate equalizer in just winning the math. So the quarterback run game is huge. The Shanahan play action system gets taken to the next level. Trey Lance is the best pure runner of these guys, right? Mm-hmm. He's got he's averaged 4.9 yards after contact per rush. That's best out of all the uh, all the quarterbacks uh, as far as running power and you know zone keepers and the whole deal. Trey Lance is the best option. And then you have 320 dropbacks in his career, and that's and that's more moldable. That's moldable clay, and that's the the view that Shanahan would be taking. Yeah, I mean, I think Trey Lance presents the most obvious analog to Josh Allen's development, which is his rushing threat allows us to kind of lean on that year one, and then we can fix the inconsistencies in his accuracy. We think that that's just a product of, in Trey Lance's case, never having the, like, the just doesn't have the body of work behind him to have developed those kind of true quarterback throwing mechanics. But he's got a great arm, even if he doesn't always show it, and we think that, hey, once we get him in the building and work on all that stuff, we'll be able to fix that. Even if it's not year one, even if it takes a couple of seasons, like that presents this all-pro level Josh Allen ceiling that might not be there with one of the other guys. If you guys are watching live on YouTube right now, we appreciate it. Look at that, over 1,400 people. Just hit that subscribe button if you haven't already. Hit subscribe to on your, on your YouTube channel because that's where you're going to be getting a lot of our future podcasts plus uh, the PFF Draft Show which will be uh, on YouTube on pff.com Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Can we go for like 20 – can we just do like a, uh, an eight-hour show and just talk about everything? Do you think people would tune in? Do you think they'd like that? Of course. Of course they would. Yeah. We just keep doing more and more content, and you guys are eating it up, and we appreciate that. So the 49ers discussion, I can't wait to find out. We find out everything Thursday night, or at least the first round of action. We'll be there to recap it right after – the draft we will be hitting the first round recap show um, again send send screenshots by the way if you've won a free pff edge annual we have three winners we've announced so far three winners those emails will be out those uh subscriptions will be out this week should i announce another winner why not steve let's announce another winner who's going to win another pff edge annual a new subscriber eric muth M-U-E-T-H, Muth, Eric Muth, you're winning. New subscriber, he says he loves both shows. Appreciate the email. Eric's going to win a free PFF Edge annual as well. We'll send those emails out with uh, instructions on how you guys can access that. Um, Don't forget, Draft 30 is your 30% off all PFF subscriptions. Draft30 is the promo code, pff.com. Yes, the email is going to be sent out today, right? See See Wally, everything should be sent out today. The information has been... Did he win? <laughs> the information's been sent. Those emails will be out today. Not everybody wins a free edge annual. It's only no, a select yeah. few. We've got four winners so far, but we appreciate everybody coming in. You have to prove that you're subscribed to the Daily and to this podcast, and then we'll send out some uh, some winners. Anything else you want to touch on today? So where do you think... 
where do you think the 49ers are going to go? Oh, we needed to conclude that? Yeah. I'm still, fe- I'm still going fields. You still think it's fields? Here's despite, the thing. despite the reports. Despite the reports. Two years ago, uh, three years ago now, when Baker Mayfield got drafted, the day before, I mean, Rap Sheet, I, mean, I saw somebody call him out on this the other day. Rap Sheet was, uh, that's Ian Rappaport. He was passing along information from all the other NFL GMs who were like, I'm not buying Baker Mayfield. I don't think John Dorsey drafts Baker Mayfield. And, and then it happened, right? I mean, I just, I don't know what information is real or not. And that's, Wednesday show is going to be great because we'll go through all these, we'll buy and sell all these rumors on Wednesday because between now and then there'll be so much, so many more rumors. I'm still going Justin Fields. I'm just, I'm trying to get into Shanahan's brain. I can understand all three quarterbacks, how you could talk yourself into both. I think it's easier to talk yourself into Fields than Lance than Mac Jones. That's my take on it. It's easier to justify Fields than Lance than Jones. So that would be my my order. For what you think will happen rather than what you would do. That's what I would do and what I think will happen. They're one and the same to you. Yeah. Okay. What I would do is, I think, the same in terms of Fields. What I think will happen, though, I'm much more open to the idea that this report is actually semi-accurate. Um, I don't know that it's accurate in terms of, look, I don't think that anybody that's talking to the media actually knows, but I can definitely see the logic to the idea that those are the two that the 49ers have zeroed in on. And if, you're, if you've reached that point to me, I think you probably end up with Trey Lance just because I, I just can't, I cannot wrap my head around the idea that Kyle Shanahan is so convinced in Mac Jones that he's trading three first-round picks to it, and nobody else is that interested in him, reportedly. Like, if that was true, if, if Shanahan was that invested in the idea that Mac Jones is that special, is Tom Brady 2.0, somebody else would be talking about him at number two to the Jets, or he would be in the conversation for number one overall. Like, something other than <laughs> Shanahan is, is going after him would it be in existence, and it just isn't. I've also been of the mind that teams have been talking down Justin Fields just to get him to drop. Definitely. Now that's not to that's not necessarily to convince. Maybe it's to convince the Niners not to take him because who knows? I, I don't know how much. Like how much is Kyle Shanahan? You have NFL Network on that guy's draft stock. You have ESPN on. How much do you get convinced by like the rumors? I don't, I don't know. know. That guy's draft stock has been hammered so much this offseason by crap compared to the other quarterbacks that. It has to be the product of like a disinformation campaign somewhere. So where does Justin Fields end up landing? So if Fields doesn't go at three, where's he going to go? I mean, it just it becomes the reverse of everything that we've been talking about before, which is it's still the same landing spots, right? It's Denver either at nine or trading up to six, seven, eight. It's New England interested enough to trade up. They've been making calls to get inside the top ten, apparently. I could, um, I could see New England trying to get to the Panthers at eight. I could see the Panth- the yeah. Panthers. Those are the spots, right? Panthers it's, and the Lions. It's six, seven, and eight. It, yes. Six, seven, eight, nine. If for any of those quarterbacks, if they start to slide, would the Lions take field? We've talked about the. I thought Trey Lance would be a nice stash for the Lions. Stash him behind Goff for a couple of years. You could say the same thing about Fields. I think the Lions are probably not in the quarterback market and are looking to trade down. So the Lions would be great trade-down candidates, and the Panthers, now that they have Darnold, more likely to do that. That's where New England would have to get to. If Washington or Chicago wanted to get there, I just don't see how they could get that. You have to give up a ton. 
to get that far, right? To go from 19 or 20, yeah, all the way up to seven or eight. It would be a lot, but I think I think it's doable. I mean, it's that's why I think you know the idea of Atlanta trading out of four is is not great because I don't think teams need to get that far. Um, whereas trading to seven, I mean, it's a lot more doable than that. There's also that wisdom of the crowds deal. It, what you know, as much if as much as you believe your own evaluations, you're buying the wisdom of the crowds fourth quarterback. You're yeah. buying you're buying the group's fourth quarterback, not the third. The, the Niners gave up a lot for the third. Right. The Jets and the Jaguars were battling for the first. The Niners gave up a lot for QB three, but what is QB four worth? It, it it's diminished. It's in theory it's diminishing value, or you're just you're incurring a little bit more risk despite whatever your rankings so the, might say. For what it's worth, the Jimmy Johnson trade chart says that to get from 20 to 7, you've got to cough up the equivalent to, like, pick number 28 overall. So it's a low first-round pick, essentially, that you need to bridge the gap. That's it? Yeah. I thought it'd be more. So, so you, it's, I mean, a future first essentially does it for but you. But it's a future first from a top four team in the league. Is yes. the problem. And so you're going to have to have more than that. And or, you and know, they're the discounted. Team, well, yeah, no, no, no. That would be with the discount, presumably. Anyway, okay. but the team, presumably Detroit, are looking for more than the than the Jimmy Johnson trade equivalent, right? Sure. They're going to want to get as much, whatever they can out of that. But that's a starting point for where we're going with this, right? If you're a team like Chicago, like Washington, to get all the way to seven, you're going to need to find the equivalent and better of a low first round pick to make that happen. So Washington has number pick number fifty one. They probably have to give up um, next year's first and maybe 51. The Bears have 52. Maybe have to give up next year's first and 52. Yeah. So first and a second. So it's not – I mean, it's doable. If you're the Bears, you doing it? I mean, yes. I'm, <laughs> if I'm the Bears, I am, I'm in the market for something that isn't Andy Dalton until I no longer have that option. Oh, man. And I'm stuck with that as my solution. I wonder if we just covet fields more than the NFL. I mean, I think there's a very real chance. Look, this idea we'll of out. the we'll negativity that's been surrounding Justin Fields in terms of, you know, doesn't go through his progression, is a one record, all that kind of stuff. That is crap, right? That isn't a negative for him. What I think the negative is for Fields is this notion of what happens when the blitz gets sent at him or what happens when things change and he has to um, – react on the fly and he sort of seizes right takes too long just doesn't find that adjustment within the course of the play now it's not obviously it's not every single play right you can find amazing plays where he works through his progression where he navigates traffic where he delivers a bomb over the top and it's great but overall there is like a concerning trend of data that says sometimes justin Fields locks up compared with these other quarterbacks when things don't go the way they're supposed to on the play. Yeah, the time in pocket question is is a vi- is a viable one. I just wonder if again, I'm trying to get into Shanahan and Lynch's brain here. When I was watching Fields, I was like, man, I saw I saw Carson Wentz play a little slower than expected in yeah. college, and I got a lot of Carson Wentz vibes with Justin Fields. I think they would love to have Carson Wentz's raw tools. Shanahan, yeah, well, that's the thing, right? So I think the, the cliff, first point is that it, I think that flaw is less of a problem in Kyle Shanahan's offense than it is anywhere else in the NFL. But I can definitely see the league as a whole looking at that and being concerned by it and being more concerned by it than the fact that Mac Jones isn't great outside of structure. 
and the fact that Trey Lance has only thrown like 380 passes in his career. I can definitely picture a world where that is the thing that scares off teams from a Justin Fields who love his arm, love his athleticism, love his accuracy, but think that when chaos gets thrown at him, he locks up and can't yeah. like that. Cause that's, that's the big intangible. And I guess it is tangible, but that's the big sort of thing. Like this idea of Dan Marino, instant reaction. Like there's, there's that ability that I always liken to soccer players, right? There's certain soccer players who are never hurried. You can never put them in a position where they feel rushed or where they're panicking. They just, no matter what you throw at them, no matter what the pressure is on them, they're just able to turn, make the right move, and deliver a quick, easy pass to somebody, and it never looks like they're flustered. And this is Tom Brady in the pocket. that The guy never looks panicked, right? No matter what you throw at him or what's coming his way, he always is able to just make the little adjustment or uh, deliver the ball where it needs to go. Um, and I think that is a quarterback trait that everybody is sort of trying to find a good way of measuring, right? It's why people are digging into this idea of like, you know, virtual reality. And if we could just sort of set them up and see how they react to these things. And everybody's trying to work out how to quantify that specific skill set, which is very different to like intelligence and, and all those kinds of things. Um, and if that's the thing you're scared of with Justin Fields, I think it would loom really large over most teams' evaluation. Yeah, I look. I, look one more angle. To, it, it's a great point by you. One more angle I want to just throw at this. I always use this reference. If you go back to 2010 and just say who are the best quarterbacks in the NFL, and I, I think the consensus would be there's eight guys, right? That we always come back to: it. Brady, Breeze, Manning, Rogers. Right? They're in their own tier. Big Ben. Russell Wilson, I put Rivers in there more often than not, Andrew Locke, Matt Ryan, nine guys. And it's not just me coming up with this, but those nine guys have something like 90% of the elite seasons in our grading system over a 10, 11 year period, right? So who are, the, who are, the, who are those next guys? For the next 10 years, who are those next guys? And your instant reaction is gonna be, oh, we have Mahomes, we have Russell Wilson, we have Deshaun Watson, Maybe Trevor Lawrence steps into that mix. Like, who are those next guys? And everybody in the, the old list had a whole bunch of pocket passers and got in, in Aaron Rodgers, right? I mean, that's really in Russell Wilson, right? It was a whole bunch of guys who were just really good at decision making, accuracy, pocket presence, and, and quarterback type things. And, and they didn't add a whole lot of athleticism or run game ability. But this year, but now the next tier of great quarterback. Rodgers is still, I mean, short-term Rodgers is still there, and short-term Brady's there. But the next group is Mahomes and Watson and maybe Josh Allen sticks and, you know, Russell Wilson for the second part of his career here and Dak Prescott, Justin Herbert maybe, maybe Joe, and Joe Burrow. Like even Joe Burrow, like say Burrow is a top eight to ten quarterback for the next however many years. Even he's got this baseline of rushing ability. Mm-hmm that defenses have to account for if they choose to tap into it in Cincinnati. Just maybe they won't now, but if he has to pull it or scramble a little bit, he can do it, right? He's got three or 400 yards on the ground per year if, if they want it out of Joe Burrow. And that's where I, I, I go back to the Shanahan decision here too. Mac Jones has zero of that, right? Not not a bit of that. Uh, not a, you. He ran a four six eight, but he has not a not even just the rushing ability. But again, it's the that's the that's it's his the, problem. It's the it's passing even, instincts, and it's the second. He can actually scamper stuff. around a little bit. It's just that he's bad. He's bad with the like the ball outside of the structure, outside of the pocket. When he is 
on the move, nothing good is coming of it. Like it's it's not even that he doesn't have the athleticism or the capacity. It's just that he's never demonstrated the ability to like elevate any kind of play when he does that. So it's not even recency bias. It's just where the NFL is going. And so much of making these decisions, the Kyle Pitts example, if you have a Kyle Pitts, you're one of three teams that have that type of guy, four teams. There's a Darren Waller, there's a Travis Kelsey, there's a George Kittle. So no matter what you, however you value tight ends, you have something no other team in the league has other than, you know, three teams. If you have, when you have, when you don't have a quarterback that can do a little bit more than you can scheme up, are you behind the eight ball for the next five to eight years in the NFL? You might be. Anyway. So, but that, so that I think is the thing is that Fields and Lance, because of that rushing threat, it, to me, I think you should look at that as a way to offset what happens if they don't hit like their 90th percentile expectation as a passer, right? We think the both, all three of these guys have the capacity to be phenomenal passing quarterbacks in today's NFL. They've either all got the accuracy or the arm and the ability to read defenses and some combination of all of that to make it happen, right? Just different degrees. Like Mac Jones doesn't have the arm, just uh, Trey Lance doesn't have the accuracy, Justin Fields is the best compromise of the two. But it's all based off like what we think that's going to project to being as a passer. Now, if you're wrong and if you miss on that, with Justin Fields and Trey Lance, you have this rushing stuff over here, which can boost and offset that, right? So if, if Trey Lance never gets any better in terms of accuracy, if he is just an inaccurate quarterback from here on out, we can add this. We can add this rushing threat, and now we still have this sort of devastating ceiling as an offense based off him. If Justin Fields um, has – if he doesn't hit where we think he'll be, regresses accuracy-wise, whatever, if he doesn't become the passer we think he is – he can be a threat on the ground. He can add rushing threat to offset that. If Mac Jones doesn't hit his ceiling of where he should be as a passing quarterback, you're left with nothing. Right. You're left with just a bad quarterback. Low right? floor. Right. Yeah. Low so floor I think pass. that that's, you're raising the floor with the rushing ability. That's the thing is that it might not be a case of the ceiling is any different for these three guys. We might be articulating it wrong. That actually the ceiling for all three is the same. The ceiling is that each one of these guys is a Pro Bowl caliber that's quarterback. Point. That's a good point. The difference between the three is that if you're wrong on that, you just missed on Mac Jones. Where if you're wrong on the other two guys, they have a rushing threat that can offset the fact that you blew it in terms of evaluating where their uh, passing ceiling was. So I think maybe that's the way of looking at it. Is that it's not that Jones represents a different ceiling. He represents a different floor. Either way, you should be factoring in the fact that like three first round picks are attached to this yeah so that's it, rushing ability raises the floor of the offense the same thing we've said about Jalen Hurts and Taysom Hill and the whole thing you can have an ugly looking offense that can still move the ball if you want to build some QB run game in there great discussion we'll have more on Wednesday uh, by the way we're almost to Antarctica did you see the last email that came through no what do we got Dario is from Buenos Aires Argentina there's no way that's further south than Dunedin I'm not done yet. Okay. All he said was last month he was in Yush, uh, Yush, Uh-oh. Uh-oh. U-S-H-U-A-I-A. That's so many vowels in a row. <laughs> there is two consonants in this name. Yushaya? Yushu? I know it's not right. But it's the... And he said... I mean, he's making up words too. He said it's the southest. Not a word, right? City in the world. Okay. The city that is most south in the world. Only six hundred miles or a thousand kilometers for our 50 percent foreign listeners a thousand kilometers from antarctica That's and he sent close. us a pic 
of him and his girlfriend from there. So they're as close to Antarctica as possible while they, well, they visited. Um, he's just, he jumped on the NFL bandwagon two years ago for, uh, due to those all or nothing documentaries that you loved so much. Yeah, yeah. That got him totally hooked. He's watching every single game, Red Zone on Sundays, multiple fantasy leagues, and the whole deal. So very excited about the draft. Um, I'm assuming Dario is a PFF elite subscriber, given his love. But we could throw an edge annual his way, too. The, uh, yeah, it's the southernmost tip of South America. So that's pretty close. So the southernmost tip of South America. We almost made it. So, Dario, go back to that city that I can't pronounce. Go back there. Hop a quick 1,000-kilometer plane to Antarctica. Fire up the podcast, and I'll get you an elite subscription. <laughs> you get elite from Antarctica. If you're in the southernmost tip of South America, you merely get an edge subscription. We'll send, we'll send one to, oh, to, oh, to Dario and whoever else I mentioned earlier. Who did I mention earlier? You're, you're bad. That's fine. Eric. Eric. Eric gets an edge, and so does Dario. Sound good? Sure. All right. Thanks to everybody for tuning in. We're wrapping it up for today. PFF NFL Podcast. We'll be back on Wednesday, so stay tuned. If you're on this, uh, the YouTube channel right now, hit that subscribe button. We want you to stick around with us all week. And then Thursday night, 7 p.m., uh, Ushuaia. Ushuaia, somebody said. Um, PFF.com. This Thursday night, 7 p.m., that's where you can watch the PFF Draft Show. And then Draft 30, Draft 3-0. Go check it out right now. 30% off all your PFF subscriptions. Thanks to everybody for tuning in. See you Wednesday and Thursday and Friday. Saturday. Draft week.